but it feels like you didn't say it's done it feels like you didn't say don't worry about it it feels like you didn't say oh I got it you don't have to do anything else it's done it actually feels quite the opposite it feels like you said you've done your part but there are still some things that need to be done that make me a little uncomfortable because I came to you in the first place because I need you to do something in my life I can't do this the table is served it means everything is ready everything it's completed this is God speaking it is up to you now the table is served it means everything is ready everything is there available for you God bless you it is a pleasure to speak to your life I want to tell you that God has great things planned for you and that these are revealed through his word. Therefore, I encourage you to prepare your heart and to prepare your mind to hear a powerful word spoken through Pastor Richard Torres. Let's listen. The table is served. The table is served. In the beginning of this year, in our New Year's service to be exact, there was a word released for the church if you're part of this church if you were part of that service maybe you heard a little bit of it later there is a word release for this church and this is why i love new year's eve services you know because of the pandemic we actually thought the possibility of canceling the service because of what's happening what's going on and i understand the situation for me the only thing that mattered in that service was not the the fact that we could fellowship together for a moment you know sharing something it was not the fact that we could worship or end the year praying or end the year worshiping god the the amazing thing from what for me is that that service is special i believe god releases a word into our lives that can really get 2021 or the next year or whatever year we're welcoming in and, and it can change things you, you see when a word of god is a spoken over our lives there is power i believe this prophetic words that happen in those times i believe this word spoken by god over our lives go before us listen to this paving the road i that's why i love new year services because i believe that in that service in that moment god releases a word that has the ability to pave the road ahead of us i want you i really want you to see this image that i'm speaking to you right now that whenever god speaks to us this prophetic word from god that you are holding on to has the ability to pave the word the, the road ahead of you see this image okay god's word that was spoken over your life is working for you literally working for you get this image in your head when god speaks a word over your life this word has the ability to pave the way pave the road ahead of you meaning that it actually works in your behalf can you imagine what that looks like words doing things in your behalf god speaks something and those words are actually doing things in your behalf god said let there be light and see words started doing something and there was light are you following me 
I wonder what happens when God says, I'm going to use you. Let me go back a little bit. God said, let there be light. And words started doing its thing and light became. I wonder what happens. I'm really wondering. I hope you can image, you can picture this in your head. What happens when God says, I want to use you? What happens when God says, I want to restore you? What happens when God says, I have something special for you? What happens when God says, I want to use you? I wonder how many demons wish they will never hear those words out of God's mouth. You see, because what happens is when God says, I want to use you, I believe his spoken word is doing things in your behalf, which means that demons may be blocked from coming towards you. It may mean that demons don't have access to you as they thought they would. It means that God is doing something that you may not even be aware of, but God is doing something. You see, that word is paving the road ahead of you. You see, you thought that it was luck that kept you from dying in that accident. You see, you thought it was God that kept your marriage still holding on a thread. You see, you thought it was just luck that things didn't break in that moment. No, there was a word released over your life that literally goes before you paving the road. How amazing is that? Can you see that in your head? I'm not getting enough help in here. People, people back home, please help me. Can you please comment? Preachers need to feel that people are receiving, engage. But if not, it's okay, we'll continue. You see, if the universe was created with his word, it means that when God speaks something over your life, those words spoken literally have the ability to go before you opening doors or closing doors. You see, these words can, go, can be going before you, creating a path or destroying roads. Bringing divide connections, divine connections, or removing relationships. I don't think we stop and wonder and ponder on how is it that his word is paving the road ahead of us. These words that go before you are paving the road. You may say, Pastor, I hear you. And before I continue, let's do what we always do. If you notice someone that it should be watching right now is not watching, please send him a text. Annoy him. Annoy him. I'm not saying anoint him. No, I'm saying annoy him. Until he connects and he watches. Right. Amen? Amen? Listen, you may say, Pastor, I really think you should reconsider the word that was released on New Year's Eve. Because, Pastor, why don't you take a moment and look around you? If you said the table is served and it's been over three weeks, if you said the table is served and it's been some time already and I don't see things changing, actually it feels like they're getting worse. So pastor, I think you should reconsider. You see, when you say, when I say the table is served, that means everything is ready, everything is in place. 
What I was waiting for is available. What I was expecting, it's here now. Everything is ready, which means that strongholds can now be broken. Are you still dealing with things that have dominion over your life? Are you still dealing with things that, that, that God is not pleased with? And I shouldn't say dealing with. Are you still being conquered by things that God is not pleased with? The table is served. Everything is ready. Means that strongholds can be destroyed, be broken. But yet, it seems like actually things are harder to deal with. More difficult. Everything is ready. You see, pastor, you said the table is served means that generational curses can now be broken. And I feel like I am deeper in my curse instead of actually getting out of it. So how does this work? We have a prophetic word from God that is supposed to be paving the road ahead of us. Doesn't that seem like it should be making things easier for us? That it should be making things less hectic for us? But somehow things are getting worse. The table is served means whatever it means to you. What is it that you've been holding on to, that you've been expecting God to do? What is it that you've been holding on to God to do? The table is served. I hope someone is hearing me today. Because if you've been struggling, waiting on God to do something in your life, he's telling you today the table is served. If you have been waiting for a miracle to be manifested in your life, God is saying the table is served. There is nothing that you are waiting on God for. He is waiting on you. The table is served. Amen? The table is served. It means whatever it means to you. Healing, transformation, restoration, ministry. We know that the power, as we've gone through this series, we know that the power of the word of God, this prophetic word, resides in the interaction you have with it. We talked about it. It is a powerful thing. It's a life-changing moment when you actually believe that which God has spoken over your life. Say it again. It is a powerful thing, a life-changing moment when you actually believe that which God has spoken over your life. I know it has been for me, and I know it is the case. Believe that God wants to be good to you. Believe that he wants to bless you. Believe that he's not mad at you. We struggle with that one. When we failed God, we think that he does what our friends do. We think that he does what our husband does. We think that he does what our wife does. God is not mad at you. Believe it. Believe that God wants to use you. As you believe this word and start moving towards it, acting up on it, we know that it is necessary to build an altar. We talked about it last week. We have to have an altar. You see, you have a prophetic word over your life. Restoration for your marriage, transformation for your life, ministry. Whatever this is, it's a prophetic word. The table is served. Whatever this word you're holding on to, that God's spoken over your life, has the uniqueness or has the quality or has the the essence of touching or tapping into the supernatural, which means 
that it will put you in areas, it will put you in levels that humanity is not comfortable with. It's not strong enough to deal with. It's not able to, ta- to tackle. So you need a point of contact where the supernatural becomes available to your humanity. You see, where you can meet with the Most High God and get revelation from above that you will not get by reviewing statistics. You see, you may look at ideal and you may review back and forth and you may look over and over and you say, you know what, it makes sense. But you may get a supernatural touch from above that says, no, that's not good for you. You should not get into that. You see, it may, doesn't make sense, but that is that supernatural power of God over your life protecting you. This thing that you need. That's why we need altars in our lives. You see, Noah built an altar. Abraham built an altar. Isaac, Jacob, Joshua, Moses, Gideon, David, and you think you don't need an altar in your house? I mean, you would think these great men had their lives all together, like they were good at what they're doing. They were great men, great women, and they had an altar. How much more do we need an altar? So we need an altar. Now, pastor... I believe this word. I believe God has spoken over my life. And I've built an altar. Yet, nothing's changing. When you hear God telling you the table is served, it really means everything is ready. Excuse me. When you hear God speaking over your life, to your situation, the table is served, it really means Everything is ready. Everything is in place. It really does. But it also means something else. When you hear God say, the table is served, you have a problem. You have a situation that you come to God. God, I need you. God, can you do this? God, I'm desperate. God, can you help me? God, I can't do this. God, I need your help. When you come to God crying out to him, when you get before him, when you humble yourself before God, when you go to him and you have a word from him that says the table is served, it means everything is ready. Strongholds can be broken. Everything is ready. Congregational uh, 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 Generational curses can be destroyed. Everything is ready. But it also means something else. Because I don't know about you, but it feels like if I'm going to God and I'm crying before him saying, Lord, I need you. I can't do this alone. And I hear his voice speaking over my life. And I hear a word from God spoken over me that says the table is served. I don't know about you, but I feel uneasy about it. I'm like, great, Lord, thank you. Everything is ready. Everything is in place. But, but it feels like you didn't say it's done. It feels like you didn't say, don't worry about it. It feels like you didn't say, oh, I got it. You don't have to do anything else. It's done. It actually qu- feels quite the opposite. It feels like you said you've done your part, but there are still some things that need to be done that make me a little uncomfortable. Because I came to you in the first place because I need you to do something in my life. I can't do this. The table is served. It means everything is ready. Everything, it's completed. This is God speaking. 
It is up to you now. The table is served. It means everything is ready. Everything is there, available for you. It's up to you now. Everything is ready. It's up to you. The table is served means everything is ready. It's up to you. The table is served means everything is ready. The ball is in your court. The table is served means everything is ready. I've done my part. Now is your turn. Let me tell you what I mean. God told Adam, Adam, everything is ready. I've created everything. You have everything in place to have a majestic, a wonderful, a beautiful, an abundant life. Now, you work it and maintain it. And I'll go back to this one in a little bit. God said to Moses, I have seen the oppression and the suffering of my people. And I want to tell you that the table is served. I want to tell you that it's time. I want to tell you that it's time. I want to tell you that everything is ready for my people to be set free. Now you go and lead them to freedom. Are you with me? Are you following me? Because we hear the table is served, and it means everything is ready for strongholds to be destroyed in your life. But what God is really saying, hey, everything is ready for those things to be destroyed. Now you go and do it. The ball is in your court. God said to Joshua, everything is ready. Everything is in place. Everything that you would step on, upon, I'm giving to you. Remember in Joshua, in the beginning, Joshua 1? God speaking to, Moses, as to Joshua, everything is ready. Everything is in place for you to live in the land of more than enough. Yeah. Now you go and possess it. Keyword, possess it. You go and take it. It's up to you. There is this thing about God that makes me a little nervous. There is this thing about God that says he's almighty, all-powerful, can do everything. But it seems like he brings his power all the way to 99% of completion and says, okay, now it's your turn. You push it. You see, he brings them all the way to the promised land. All the way. But now he says, you go and take it. Do you see a pattern here? God establishes times, and when the time comes, he tells you the table is served. Now you go. God establishes things before you were even born, and suddenly he tells you, now you go and take it. God declares things over your life. Then he says to you, the table is served, and expects you to manifest those things in your life. I don't know if it's making sense or not. If not, don't worry. I'm the problem. It's not you. It's me. If this is not working out, don't worry about it. It's not you. It's me. The table is served. It's up to you. We don't like that kind of word. We don't like that kind of word. We don't like the kind of prophetic word that leaves things lingering, that leaves things unfinished unsealed, undone, 
Meaning, we like the kind of word that says, God, I'm, God says, I'm going to do something in your life, regardless of whether you try or not, whether you believe or not, whether you like it or not, I am going to have it my way, and you will, be, and you will have an amazing life. That's an, that, that word everyone shouts. But a word from God that says, everything is ready. Everything is ready for you to have an amazing life, a a majestic life, but I'm not touching your circumstances. You make that majestic life manifest. You see, that that word, that's in causes to shout and get excited. That word causes to say, I wonder if he actually studied for this word. I wonder if he prayed to God for this word. Because if he did, then even without me wanting anything from God, I'll be going after God right now. You see, that's the kind of word that we want. The kind of word that, that removes any, any responsibility from us, any, any energy and effort that we have to put into, we like those kind of words. But God is saying the table is ready. You see, 2021 doesn't have to be like 2020. The table is served so you can have a glorious year, so you can have a majestic year. The table is served now. It's up to you. I have all the elements laid out for you so you can have a majestic life. It's up to you. I know it's not exciting. It's okay. The table is served. Now it's up to you. Now you go and do. Now you go and take. Now you go and possess. You know what this sounds like? Sounds like work. That's why we don't like it. Sounds like work. A lot like work. I don't understand, Lord. Why, if you spoke something over my life, the same way that you spoke the world into existence, why do I have to work for what you spoke over my life? If you spoke the world into existence... Why can't you do the same thing for me? Why can't you just speak transformation into my wife and I don't have to work? Why don't you just speak transformation into my boss and I get a promotion without even better, without even being better than anybody else around me? Better yet, God. Why don't you bless me financially without me even having to work? I like that idea. You see, Lord, I can just stay home watching Netflix. I don't have to work, and you can bless me. If you spoke the world into existence, why can't you do something similar in my life? Why do I have to put some work into it? Why do I have to put energy into it? Why do I have to put effort into it? If it is your word, and it is a powerful word, why do I have to work for it? Or in it? Or through it? It is by faith, not by works. So you got me confused here, Pastor. Why is there work involved in every task God has for us? If everything is by faith, right? I don't even know where we are in time. Because my very helpful assistant is not here today. And I'm lost without time. 
Okay, perfect. Are you seeing the picture? You see, I believe we have the wrong idea. And yes, we're going to get to the scripture here in a second. I believe we have the wrong idea of what work represents in the kingdom of God. I really believe we have it all messed up. What is it that work represents in the kingdom of God? What is the place of work in the kingdom of God? What is the role or what, what role it has in the kingdom of God? You see, some people think that faith is a substitution for hard work. You have a test. You have to study. And instead of studying all night for that test, you watch TV and you think, I'll get up in the morning, I'll pray, I'll believe that God is going to do a miracle over my life, and I will pass that test. It's funny, right? But people actually believe that. People actually think that faith can be a substitution for hard work. Meaning, all I have to do is pray that God will bless me financially. I mean, God doesn't expect me to actually go and work if he's going to bless me financially, right? right? Interesting. Some people think that the anointing is a substitute for hard work. Meaning, if I'm an anointed preacher, I don't have to study. Because when I get there on the altar, the anointing comes over me. I don't even know what I say and people laugh. I don't even know what I say and people are blessed. They always tell me, you know, oh, wow, that was a powerful word. And I myself didn't even understand what I said. <laughs> you may think that the anointing is a uh, substitute for hard work. You see, uh, Malcolm Gladwell in his book, Outliers, uh, speaks about this theory, a rule of the 10,000 hours. He says that it requires 10,000 hours of practice for you to become a world-class something, whatever this is, musician, sports player, whatever, whatever it is, 10,000 hours of practice. You see, we think that faith substitutes hard work or that, that, that anointing substitutes hard work, which means that I don't have to practice. I don't have to spend hours, hours, hours practicing. I can just show up in here, and because of the presence of God in this place, then automatically the work that I didn't put up, the work that I didn't do, is just automatically be substituted by the anointing of God. Latino cultures have this thing of, of saying, um, you know what, let's just... Let's just um, Let's just, uh, let's just wait on the Spirit when we get there, and we'll, we'll see. No, no, no. That's just an excuse for you not to prepare, for you to do the work. You prepare, you do the work, and if God decides to do something different, let Him do something different. But let Him not find you, not worked, not prepared, not done everything that you were supposed to do. We have the wrong idea of work. The table is served. Now it's up to you. There is work involved in that. So I want to share with you three instances where you need to apply yourself in work in relationship to the kingdom of God. Three instances. Okay? The first one is found in Genesis chapter 2. 
Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. I hope God has been speaking to your life through this message. The desire of Bethesda Church and Pastor Richard is to change lives through love, and we are very grateful for the opportunity that this medium allows us to reach multitudes. If you would like to continue listening to more messages from our pastor or to know more about this ministry, look for us online at mybethesda.org or on facebook.com slash mybethesda. Thank you. Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. While you get there, I want to welcome those that join in a little bit later. We're so excited that you are part of this. You know, if you've seen me nervous sometimes from time to time, it was probably because my in-law logged in, my wife's dad. It's probably watching. You know, it's a lot of pressure, right? Just kidding. If he was watching, we welcome him too. Genesis 2, verse 15. Then the Lord God took the men and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend. Some version says to till. Some others say simply to work it and keep it and maintain it. Then the Lord God took the men and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend and keep it. That to me right there is nothing but work. First instance where you need to apply yourself and work is, number one, work in the presence of God. Work in the presence of God. Now, from the get-go, when I say work in the presence of God, right there, it doesn't sound very spiritual. When I say work in the presence of God, it doesn't sound very spiritual. It almost seems like the work part removes the spirituality of that sense. Presence of God, spiritual. You throw work in there, no more spiritual. Pastor, if anything, you can't say work in the presence of God. If anything, you should say rest in the presence of God. That feels like it flows. It feels like it fits. It feels like it goes right with it. No, I'm saying work in the presence of God. You see, the idea of rest cannot exist unless work exists. There is no way you can rest if you don't work. I'm going to rest, you know, because I'm tired of being on my bed. I have to rest. Because I'm tired of not working, I have to rest. You see, it doesn't work that way. Work in the presence of God. I want to highlight a couple of things, and we're going to go fast. This is chapter 2. We're reading this in chapter 2. God just finished his marvelous work. Everything is perfect in this scene, chapter 2. The fall of men happens in what chapter in Genesis? Chapter 3. This is chapter 2, work in the presence of God. Why do I mention this? Because we have a tendency of associating Work with punishment. We have a tendency of associating work with punishment. You see, because of Adam, now I have to work from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., five days a week. Because of Adam, now everything is harder. Now I have to work. 
We have a tendency of relating hard work with punishment. Maybe that's one of the reasons why we get shocked when in the presence of God, we're expected to work. Maybe that's why we get shocked when as powerful as God is, as mighty, as amazing as he is, having the ability to do anything he wants to, he says, everything is ready, now you work. I don't understand, God. You were already there. You have the power, the ability. It's not going to cost you anything extra. Why can't you just finish it? Why do I have to go and do the last part? Work is not a curse. Work is not a curse. You see, this should really give you an idea of how God feels about work. So we know that work didn't happen because of the fall of man, as a punishment. Because before that, God had already established a job for Adam. He had to work the land. You with me? You see, you hear Garden of Eden, and you think paradise. Isn't that true? Paradise. And you hear paradise, and you think what? By the beach. With a virgin piña colada. And the sunglasses, enjoying the sun. Paradise. You see, that's perfect. We think that arriving into a place where God wants us to be requires no work after that. I believe if someone, if a man can say, I have arrived, was Adam. He was there in a perfect place. And right there in that perfect place, there was work to do. So God, in his presence, expects you to work. In his presence, expects you to work. Grasp this. God created everything. God said, everything is in place, Adam. The table is served. You can have an abundant life. Now get to work. Till it. His presence in your life is not a substitute for hard work. I feel like when we think God has done what he said he would do, we think we don't have to work anymore. Meaning, you know what? God you made me a pastor. You put me in this office. I have arrived. From now on, I can just enjoy. I don't have to work. It is your power. It doesn't work that way. Work in the presence of God. Number two, second instance. Work for the distant hope. Work for the distant hope. A few chapters over, Genesis chapter 6. God is speaking to Noah, verse 14. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover inside and outside with pitch. Pitch. I'm not going to continue reading. You know the story. We actually just touched on it on Wednesday. This is the second instance where I want to look at work in relation to the kingdom of God. Work in the presence of God. You don't expect that, do you? I mean, 
Everything is perfect in His presence. Why should I have to work? If my marriage is in the presence of God, we serve God, we, we, we love God, our marriage is in the presence of God, why should I have to work in my marriage? Why should I have to put any effort in my marriage? Right? It, it doesn't seem natural. Well, guess what? You have to work in the presence of God. You have to continue to work in the presence of God. It doesn't matter. We get this wrong idea that just because His presence is there, you are released from your duties. So number two, work for the distant hope. Now, you know this story, right? God was tired of the wickedness, seeing what was going on. And he said, you know what, I'm going to start over. I'm going to do this again. And he tells Noah to build an ark. He gives him every detail of how this is to be built. Okay? But I, I want us to, for a moment, not read this as a distant story, but actually try to put ourselves in his shoes. Okay? God is asking him to build something he's never seen before. Right? Let's assume that there were boats in his time. Let's assume that there were. There was no arcs in his times. This was the first unique vessel that he was going to. So he, God is asking him to build something he's never seen. Listen, work for the distant hope. Build something he has never seen. Okay? To be safe from something he has never experienced before. There is, I don't know if arguments, but some people say that it hadn't rained before. Some others say that it had. Regardless, if it had or if it hadn't, there was no floods before this one. He had never experienced something as this. Listen to this. God is asking him to build, him, to build something he's never seen before, to protect him from something he's never experienced before. Okay? And to do it, in a longer time than what you can imagine. There is not a defined time. The Bible doesn't say how long it took him to create the ark. Some start estimating between 500, when he was 500, and when he was 600. And in that, you have to equate his children, being Mary, and all this stuff. So some say that he could have, probably could have been between 50 and 80 years to build the ark. Listen to this. Work in the distant hope. What does that mean, pastor? It means that God will give you a word that is out there, distant. He will ask you to do things you've never seen before. Things that you may not feel comfortable doing because they're new to you. Things that you don't understand. You can't comprehend, why, why am I doing this, God, again? Why do I need to give them a second chance? Why do I need to give her a second chance? Why do I have to allow her to do this? Why do I have to put up with this? Why do I have to do this? I don't understand. I don't get it. And I have to do this for 80 years? God, I'm not Noah. I'm not going to live over 600 years. Am I at least going to be able to see your promise fulfilled? Work in the distant. Excuse me. Work for the distant hope. There are things in our lives that will feel distant, distant, far out there. Don't think 
that you could avoid or ignore the work. Work for the distant hope. Have you ever been asked to do something you haven't done before? What is your reaction? Uh, a little while ago, I got a, this, this thing that my cousin sent to me. Let me see if I can remember correctly. It said in there, comparing to cultures, uh, Asian culture and Latino culture, they say, their attitude, Asian culture, if no one has done it before, I'm going to be the first one. Latino, in that sense, will say, if no one has done it before, why do I have to do it? The other one, the Asian on the second one says, if they have done it, I can do it too. The Latina will come and say, if they can do it, let them do it. I don't have to do it. Have you been asked to do something you've never done before? Now, have you been asked to do something that you don't think you have the ability to do? Have you ever tried to do something you don't see the end of it? Can you imagine how frustrated this must be? I don't get it. I don't know why I'm doing this. I don't know how to do it. And I don't know when I'm going to be done with this. Work for the distant hope. I want to read something from um, H.W. Toast? Toss. Tozer, thank you. I didn't actually write his name in here, sorry. He wrote this. We can be in our day what the heroes of faith were in their time. But remember, at the time, they didn't know they were heroes. Let me read that to you. It's really powerful. We can be in our day what the heroes of faith were in their time. But remember, in that time, they didn't know they were heroes. God may have you working for something that is too far out there, that you don't see the end of it, that is frustrating, that is taking too long. Just remember that while you're there frustrated, eventually one day someone is going to look at you as a hero, hero of faith for enduring and being able to make it all the way. Number three. So number two, excuse me, number one is work in the presence of God. Number two, work for the distant hope. And number three, work all night long. I want to say a couple of years ago, I came under this revelation, if you want to call it that. Luke chapter five, verse four. And it really opened up a new perspective in my life. Luke chapter 5, verse 4. When he had stopped speaking, this is Jesus, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. This is Jesus speaking to Peter. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled, we have worked all night with nothing to show for it. And caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. I love this image. This 
This image came at a time. This, this revelation came at a time where he made it really clear that there is one requisite in the kingdom of God, and it is work. You have to work. I mean, remind me again of a man of God that transcended history through the pages of the Bible whose gift was laziness. Remind me, I mean, I may be missing something. But let me see if there was a man of God who transcended time and his gift was laziness. No, there's no such a thing. Everyone that came in contact with God was required to work, to work, to work, to work. So if there is a promise over your life, it requires work. You will have to work. And let me tell you why this was so important to me and so impactful for me. Because I believe that we come into a place where when we meet with God, we will be expected to say, God, I have worked all night. Imagine Jesus comes ready to work a miracle in your life, but you can't say you have worked all night. God, I didn't know you were going to be here right now. If I would have known that, I would have started working last night, and I would have been working when you got here. Can you come back again tomorrow? Work all night with nothing to show for. Let me make a contrast, and I'm done with this, with, between Noah's work and this image we have here. Because it seems like they're similar. Apparently, Noah was working with nothing to show for because apparently it was not raining in a way that it looked like a flood was coming. So he may think, I'm doing this for nothing. There, there is no way to show progress. There is a little bit of difference between Noah's story and this one. You see, Noah had a task that needed to be done before the flood could show up, which means that he had a way to gauge time. How close is this? You see, the the ark had to be finished before the flood. So God is not going to send the flood when the ark is not done. But when you have to work all night, And there is not a reference to show, hey, I'm making progress. That is tough and that is difficult because many times instead of getting closer, you're actually getting farther. It seems like things are getting worse. God, we're working harder and it looks like we're actually doing less. God, we're doing this, we're doing that and it feels like we're going backwards. God, I'm doing my best and this thing is not changing. Work all night. Work for the distant hope and work in the presence of God. Do you want a miracle over your life? The table is served. It's up to you now. You believe it. That's wonderful. Don't stay 20 years believing it. Work. Get to work. Finish it. Move on. Move forward. How important do you think it is that you worked? Don't allow God to show up and find you ministering laziness. 
Instead, work, 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 and work. I hope it's clear today that work is a spiritual thing. I really hope it's clear that you don't get confused, that this is not by works, but by faith. Doesn't mean that work is not spiritual. I hope it is clear to you that work is spiritual. Would you please stand? We're closing this series. I'm going to ask my wife to come and join me. We're praying and we're dismissing the service here in a second. I'm asking her to come up here so we can pray together. And I hope that you can grab a hold of the person next to you. I hope you can grab a hold of the person next to you. And if the person is not next to you and is home, I hope that your thoughts are with this person. Listen, 2020 was a very challenging year. But that is not what defines whether you have a wonderful year or not. The table is served. I hope you grasp this idea that the table is served. God has placed everything in in place. It is up to you now. What are you going to make out of this year? 2021, it's going to be the sum, the total, the addition of what God's spoken over your life and your interaction with that word. Are you going to work in his presence? Are you going to work for the distant hope? And are you going to work all night? Give it your best. And see, when Jesus shows up, even when you think there was no progress, in one second, in one second, you will reap more than what you can ever imagine in your life. This is for marriage. This is for ministry. Don't stop working just because you don't see progress. Don't stop doing what God has called you to do just because you don't see the benefits of it in that moment. It takes one second. I'm telling you, it takes one second. It really does. I'm going to share this quick, quickly. Now pray. I told you that there was a revelation of this word in my life. That really, when you work all night, it could be a matter of one second. God shows up and everything changes for you. Yeah. I, was having, I was preaching a message and I was having a hard time with the message. And I believe it was actually on this. Because some people had just left the church. And that was hitting me hard. I'm like, God, what is going on? They don't want to hear what you have to say through me. What's going on? I thought you said this was going to grow. Instead, it's going backwards. I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm working. I think I'm giving my best. And that day, a gentleman comes in, sits in the back, sits like this. Now, on top of what I'm going through already, I have to deal with his posture. Like, I guess this is not a good message for you either. And he goes and stands over there and he walks back and does And at the end, I go back there and he rushes out there to meet me and says, you have blessed my life like you don't imagine, he says. But what you don't know about me is that I have contacts with TV producers. And I'm going to take you to TV. I'm going to put your preachings on TV. That's what he said to me. Listen, regardless of where we stand on that, regardless, that goes to show that when you work all night 
for your marriage, for your ministry, for your business, for relationships, for whatever it is that you work all night. It may be in one second, one second that everything changes. Everything changes, but you have to work all night for it because it is during that time that God is building the character that you need. So for when that second happens, you're ready to sustain how amazing and powerful what God has is for you. So let's pray that you will have the courage, that we will have the courage. Let's pray that we will have the strength to go for it. The table is served. Let's pray that we will have the courage, the strength to go on. Father, we worship you. We magnify it. God, as pastors, my wife and I get together today, believing, believing with your people, Lord. 2020 was difficult, challenging. God, 2020, though we have an amazing word paving the road, doesn't feel much different. It feels like things are still lingering around that shouldn't be lingering around. God, but regardless of what our circumstances look like, the table is served. Regardless of what your circumstances look like, God has set everything in place for you to have an abundant, a majestic, a powerful life. Because it is not you who makes that. It is his glory. It is his anointing. It is his power in your life that causes a majestic life. So in the name of Jesus, we pray strength over you. In the name of Jesus, we pray wisdom over your life. In the name of Jesus we pray that you believe his word and that you move forward God we bless your congregation today in the powerful name of Jesus we declare God that we are moving on we understand the table is ready and we're going to work we're going to do we're going to take we're going to possess God in the name of Jesus we bless your people I hope you have enjoyed this message, and if one day you are in the Dallas-Fort Worth area and would like to visit, our address is 71001 Airport Freeway, Richland Hills, Texas, 76118. We would love to meet you. If you have any requests and would like for us to pray for you, you can call us at 817-427-0010 and leave a voice message. Contact us and let us know your comments. Once again, you can give us a call at 817-427-0010 or write us an email to info at mybethesda.org.